Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. In Genesis, we are told that God created the heavens and the earth and called it good. How are we called to create and to celebrate creation? The truth is, lots of us spend more time and energy being driven towards specific goals and not enough time being drawn in to God's goodness. We focus on what we should do rather than what we are called to do and what we might feel excited or compelled to do. Throughout this series, we are going to connect with our inner creativity, nurturing this fundamental aspect of being human. Creative Outlet tends to give us renewed energy for passionate work, delightful play, and creative problem solving to make this world a better place for all. In a world full of quick fixes and temptations to lean into instant gratification, it can be hard to be patient or to take the long way when we want to skip ahead. But we learn and grow closer to God when we trust in God, whatever may be before us. Today, we start our drawn-in sermon series with the creation story from Genesis 1. Pastor Jen Tyler shares how we are created to create and how God leads us in a direction of creativity. Here is the First Church Message of the Week. are starting this new sermon series titled Drawn In, and over the next six weeks, we are going to spend some time reflecting on how we are invited to be drawn in, drawn closer to God as we seek to live the creative life with God. We're going to talk a little about creativity over these next several weeks, and so I thought I'd talk a little first about what we mean when we talk about that, because creativity takes on a lot of different forms. And for me, often when I think of living a creative life, I think of some of the things that you all are really, really gifted at that mostly just bring me a lot of stress as I think about how awful I am at them. Things like drawing or decorating or painting or crafting, really of any sort. With God, though, being creative is about a lot more than that. Themes of God creating within and around us are found throughout Scripture, starting as early as the first few verses that Sandy just talked about in the book of Genesis when we hear of the creation story of God. We're going to read part of that story in a moment here, but it's worth noting something that maybe many of us already know, that in these opening verses of the Bible, we are told that God created the heavens and the earth and all that is in it, and then God called them good. And it makes me wonder, not only what are we looking around and seeing and calling good, But also, how are we called to create and to celebrate creation? The truth is, I think a lot of us spend time and energy being driven towards specific goals, but not enough time being drawn into God's goodness within them, whether that is within the process of reaching them or when we finally get to that place. How do we take time to celebrate and to be drawn into the ways that God is moving within and around us? Because often, too often perhaps even, we focus on what we should do rather than what we are called to do and what we might feel excited or compelled to do. We forget about the ways God often wants us to simply be, to pause long enough to see the big picture of the world and God's invitations that are all around us. 
That is why throughout this series, my hope is that all of us will find ways to connect with our inner creativity, nurturing this fundamental aspect of being human. Not because we are all creative in that traditional or artsy kind of sense we often think of, although that's good too, but because we know that there are a lot of ways to be creative. And having creative outlets, I think it gives us renewed energy for passionate work, for delightful play, and for creative problem solving. All of which I think help make the world a better place. And so as we jump into God's creativity in this way, won't you join with me as I pray for us? Creating God, we ask that in this time, especially you would continue to open our ears anew that we might hear your voice clearly in our midst. Open our eyes so that we might see you more clearly and our hearts, that we might love you more deeply as you rid us from any and all distractions so that all that we see and hear and know and feel and speak are of you. Amen. So something you probably uh, may know, probably long before I did, uh, when I was in my first college class, uh, in my first semester of undergrad, I took an anthropology class, a required course for my sociology degree. And it was there that I first learned that throughout history, every culture or religious tradition known to us has their own kind of creation story of some kind. What was fascinating about this for me was how many of them had common threads or ideas. Uh, Some of them were purely scientific, while others tell theological truths, but no two stories were identical, and yet no two stories were ever entirely different either. What's interesting about that, too, is then I learned that in Christianity, and I had been a member of the church, active in the church, reading my Bible over and over again, and it was then that I learned that not only is Christianity not an exception to this, obviously, but we don't even have just one creation story, but we have two And while these two stories are almost the same, they are assuring us of some minor different truths. Stories that assure us both that God created all of heaven and the earth and the universe beyond, but also offer differing details such as in Genesis 1 that tells us that men and women were created together on the sixth day and God called it very good. But in Genesis 2, it tells us that first, God created man alone. And it tells us that before any wild plants appeared on the earth and before any field crops grew, God created man. And then, after some other creating had come to be, woman came forth in the familiar story of coming forth from Adam's rib. Two different stories that present very similar theological ideas that point out to us some of the nuances and the creativity present not only in the creating that God was doing through these different and similar stories, but also they point out to us the importance of how we have come to understand and to learn this story. Because no matter which story is told or which version may be your favorite, the creating in both of them is similar and the message is the same. God created all of heaven and earth. God 
created. The land and the sky and the animals and the birds of the air. God created. My favorite part of the creation story, though, it's found in Genesis 1. It isn't the details of the story, per se, such as the ones I just pointed out that are different from the other. But what I appreciate about Genesis 1 is the rhythm and the order that this brings. It helps me to imagine a system that God used to create some order out of chaos as we are invited to imagine God's creation coming to be. I think it paints a picture for us. And so I'm going to read the opening verses of Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It tells us that when God began to create the heavens and earth, the earth was without shape or form. It was dark over the deep sea, and God's wind swept over the waters. God said, let there be light. And so light appeared. God saw how good the light was. God separated the light from the darkness. God named the light day and the darkness night. There was evening and there was morning, the first day. Now, the story clearly does not stop there. We know God created the heavens and the earth in six days, taking the seventh day to rest. But the story continues over the next 30 verses, and so I thought we could read just a few. Because these first five verses show us the pattern that the rest of those verses tend to follow. First, by pattern I mean, first we know that God speaks. It tells us that God invites and lets something come from nothing. God then names this thing and sees that it is good. Over and over again, this pattern takes place. And it's a, it's a pattern and an order that, if I'm honest, is soothing to me. I may not be crafty, but I really love some creative ways of doing other things, like some well-laid-out spreadsheets, right? I'm nerdy in a lot of ways. That's one of them. But the order and the pattern of Genesis 1, it kind of brings me that same kind of like good energy that a well-laid-out spreadsheet, I think, oh, it just feels so nice to see that. I know some of you are shaking your heads. I'm so nerdy, and I am not ashamed. Or there's other things that maybe some of you will shake your heads at even more. Do you know that joy of when you're like balancing your checkbook and it balances to the penny perfect? Or even better, when you ends coincidentally, unintentionally with a double zero at the end, an even dollar amount? The little joys in life, right? And how there's this pattern and order to the world and all feels right and good. Things that make the world feel right, even if just for a moment, that's how I feel when I read the order of God bringing order out of chaos as God creates the world. The other thing I really appreciate about this creation story, though, is not just that God creates, but it's how God creates. I mentioned before that when it comes to crafty things or any kind of creating that we often think about in traditional terms, I'm really terrible at them. I really am. I mean, I struggle to to draw a stick figure that's recognizable. I'm that level of terrible at some of those things. But for me, I also know that some of the most creative things like drawing or quilting or painting, things that don't bring me much joy... 
that doesn't mean that I don't like to create. Because create isn't just about those artsy things. I create differently. I like to think about creating in things that I'm good at that bring me joy. And I think that all of us have things that we create or do well that can bring us that same kind of joy. Like for me, one of those things is writing. I love the art form of words and stringing them together, written on a page or spoken in a crowd, reading, writing, preaching. Those are my art forms. But sometimes, as much as I love to do these things, when I have to do these things, it brings a little less joy to it. Anybody relate to that ever? How sometimes when you are forced to do a thing that you love, or worse, when you are given a tight deadline to do it, it can become stressful or start to feel like a burden? That's what I love about how God creates in this story, though. There's no burden. There's no timeline. It doesn't even tell us that that first day was a 24-hour period and God had to get everything done. Instead, this story tells us that God simply makes something happen, right? It isn't like when you have a deadline looming and you stare at a blank page on the screen, willing a term paper or a report for work to get done and to write itself. We all know that stressful, awful feeling, right? But instead, we are told that God lets go of that control and of the timelines and of the things that hold us back. And instead, God lets creation come into being. In Genesis 1-3 that I read, God said, let there be light. And so light appeared. Because the pattern repeats itself. Then later, in verse 9, we are told God said, let the waters under the sky come together into one place so that the dry land can appear. And that's what happened. Over and over again, we are told that God not only creates and makes things happen, but that God lets these things happen, letting things come into being. Which is to say that we don't just have a creating God, We have a letting God, whom I believe invites us to create and to let things be. Not to let them be in a way that means we have to leave them alone entirely, but to let things happen by being creative and flexible and imaginative by letting go of some of the control and the details of what we already know or expect. Has anyone here, I sure have, ever worked really hard on something only to let go of some of the details and to see what was going to happen? Not to let go of responsibility or to pretend it never happened, but to focus less on the details of how something was going to happen and then instead put your energy into why you were doing it. One example I often think of with this is how we deal with silence. Have you ever been in a small group meeting with people either at work or maybe a meeting, maybe a Bible study or something here at church, and when a question is asked or a volunteer has been requested and there's silence in the room? Some of us, I know, just can't handle that and are quick to just step up so we can break the silence and not have it keep going, right? We are not comfortable in silence. 
But then there's others, and I'm impressed a bit with some of these skills as a leader and a pastor in these moments, especially if I'm a pastor who said, would someone else here like to pray for us? Do you know what the first thing most of the room usually does? Look straight at the ground. Sometimes the lack of eye contact, we're like, that way they won't pick me, right? We know that feeling. And while, yes, there are those ones that we know always can lead us and do, do well by us who will step up, I cannot help but to wonder about the rest of us, the ones of us who, myself included, uh, as a pastor who prays often, who loves to pray, who never, ever minds. I admit that when I'm in a room full of clergy and that volunteer is asked, I'm the one staring at the ground too because I think, well, someone else can do it better. Sometimes I think that's where our minds go in these moments, right? It isn't that we don't feel called to step up. It isn't that we don't have the gifts we need to. But maybe for various reasons, maybe fear, maybe uncertainty, maybe we don't think we can do it or can't do it as well as someone else. Maybe we don't want to take someone else's place by stepping up and volunteering when we know that there's surely someone else who could do it too. It's those of us who are quiet in moments like these that I wonder, what if, instead of avoiding or taking the safe way or saying no in those moments, what if instead we realize that maybe that was meant to be your space? What if when we say no, we realize that we are passing up opportunities to follow God and to let ourselves step into a role that is unique and challenging and invigorating and faithful. Now we know, of course, that this isn't the case every time. Sometimes saying no is good for us as to not overly celebrate the culture of busy that can so easily overwhelm us. But I also wonder how our lives might be different if we were more intentional about letting God lead us in new ways and in new directions. Because the truth is, I believe that our God, our letting God, wants us to lean in, to trust God in new and perhaps even creative ways to let go of our preconceived notions or ideals or expectations, even for a moment, in order that we can pause and see the world around us a little differently. To see the world as a canvas of sorts as we create love and care and silence and who knows what else. Because when we pause... When we create space to be comfortable in silence or to lean in and trust God more and more with whatever may be before us, I think there's a sacredness to that kind of waiting, a sacredness that comes from when we pause long enough to see God at work both within and all around us. Because God tends to invite and to bring forth and to let goodness come to be when we create space for it. We know it's hard though, isn't it? To be patient in this way, to let things come to be. 
to be clear, when I talk about this kind of patience, I don't mean the kind of patience that drives me crazy. Like when you hit every red light on the way home because the car in front of you is driving 20 miles under the speed limit and you have got places to be, right? I don't mean that kind of patience that could test all of us. I mean the kind of patience that invites us to wonder what could happen if we let go of control. The kind of patience that happens when we know that the fruits of our hard work, we don't have to see them immediately for our work to be good and holy. The kind of patience that is described by a writer and author by the name of Todd Brisson who writes about ways for us to move more consistently, to be more creative by being patient. He tells a story about how when he walked across his graduation stage, he was sure that his life was going to take off. He had all these dreams and visions. He couldn't wait to get started on all the projects he had in mind because he knew that his blog was going to take off and a book deal was surely forthcoming soon. And while his blog did find a little bit of success, he found that uh, as he tried to get a book deal, well, it didn't go very well. And so by the time his book was written, when nobody would pick it up and publish it for him, he made the difficult decision to self-publish that book instead. And if you know anything about the publishing world, self-publishing a book makes it really hard to get it out into the hands of the world around you. And as might be expected for most, the results were not very good. And if he is honest, he tells us how these results made him furious because his hard work he put out into the world and the attention wasn't enough, the sales weren't enough, the followers weren't enough, the impact wasn't enough. He took his creative work that he put all his time and energy into and the world wasn't there to receive it. And he was very unhappy about this, not being very patient with it in the scheme of life. We say things like, well, if only our work could impact one person, I would die happy. But do we mean that? Because one person is never enough as we always turn to the next. That was certainly true for him as he talks about how impatient he was until nearly five years after he wrote that first chapter of the book. He received a message on Twitter of all places from some random stranger he'd never heard about who had just seen his book for the first time. And they reached out to him to thank him for writing it and for the impact that it had on their life. Five years later. Now, realistically, it seems like a bit of a stretch right? To ask us to wait five years for every uh, piece of work or every project that we do to reach its audience. But what we can do is control our side of the equation by doing what we said we would do, by being creative and consistent, and maybe even by letting go of some of that control. He ends his piece by inviting us to let the results fall where they may. But I would add that we should let God guide us to trust in the process, to trust in God's plans, to trust and know that not everything we do is going to bring forth immediate results. And as we think about trusting God and letting things come to be in these ways, 
I can't help but to wonder what we might do different in large and small ways alike today, that we might invite God to use us in creative new ways. Ways that maybe only you can begin to imagine today. Ways that maybe only you know God is calling you and you've held that deep inside you and you're ready to let it forth. Sometimes these ways that we are called and invited to create and to be and to care for one another, well, sometimes they bring forth immediate results. But other times, and I would say most of the time, it's the small things that we do that add up. Letting God work in small ways that make an impact in a big picture that we only see when we pause long enough to let the world around us soak in, when we pause long enough to let the faithful creative impact soak in with the gift of hindsight. In a world that can be overwhelming and demanding and full of so many opportunities that we sometimes don't know where to turn, one thing I wonder is how you might feel drawn in to God, how you might feel called to live the creative life with God, not because you have to, not because you need anything more on your already full plate, but because our God, who was a letting God, has invited you, has invited you to step up, to take your turn, to trust in God, and to let be what will be as we seek to create and to care and to love in new and unexpected ways. Let us pray together. Holy and loving and creating God, we give you thanks for your abundance of ways that you have created all of heaven and earth and each one of us created to be unique and a reflection of your gifts in the world. Help us, O oh God, to embrace these gifts that we might seek to share them with all we meet in large and small ways this and every day. In the name of Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information on our church calendar, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.